Welcome back to the British English Podcast with me, your host, Charlie Baxter. If you're here to improve your British English and learn about British culture, then you are in the right place. And today we are continuing where we left off with the parody of the children's book called The Tiger Who Came to Tea, which is called The Tiger Who Came for a Pint by Sean Locke. This is part two of my commentary of the parody. So I really do encourage you to listen to part one before continuing with this one. Uh, part one was Bite Size episode 35. So make sure you listen to that and then come back here and we can continue the commentary. But you know what? As I really enjoyed the story and it was pretty quick, I'd like to play it to you again. That way we remember the entirety of it. And then I'll continue chatting about it. So here we go. Let's give the parody, The Tiger Who Came for a Pint, one more read. The Tiger Who Came for a Pint by Sean Locke There once was a tiger who fancied a pint. Not carling, of course. That was too weak and too gassy. He wanted a pint that packs a punch like Estella or Cronenberg. The tiger was thirsty and needed something to wash down the zookeeper he'd just eaten. He liked the atmosphere of Weatherspoons. Plus, he was barred from the king's head for mauling the darts team. Tiger drank his pint quietly besides the quiz machine. Soon, what with the beer, fags and flame-grilled McCoys, he'd spent all his money but he didn't half have a thirst on. So when George went to the cellar to flush out the strongbow line, the tiger drank all the beer from the kegs and all the rum they were saving for Caribbean night. Then he ate the meat raffle. Very naughty tiger. Then he went to toilet on the bar. We're going to have to call you a minicab home, tiger, said George, the deputy manager, bursting from the cellar. Where do you want taking? To the zoo, you silly bollocks. It took a while to get one because the first two drivers they sent said, Are you mental? Finally, Pavel from Station Cars agreed to it. The journey went smoothly and eventually, after a lot of questioning, the tiger said, Look, for the last time, it's not a onesie. Weatherspoon's deputy manager, George, never saw the tiger or Pavel, the station car's driver, ever again. The end. Lovely story. Love it. And last episode, we got up to the fact that he was sat by the quiz machine. So that leads us to the next line, which read, Soon, what with the beer, fags and flame-grilled McCoys, he'd spent all his money. A fantastically British sentence. This is exactly what I imagine a local at a Weatherspoons might end up doing. So let's see. Well, we have beer. I think we all know that word. And then fags. That might be a surprise to you, as the word fag is a very derogatory word, meaning homosexual, in America predominantly. British people are aware of it, and indeed it can, unfortunately, be used in that way in the UK. However, it is far more common to refer to cigarettes as fags, or the singular, a fag. So you might hear, uh, got a spare fag, mate, or fancy a fag? And then um, I was speaking to my friend who's from up north because I'm from down south. 
and where there's a big divide, isn't there? Um, no, linguistically, though, it is very interesting when I speak to people from the north to generalize. Um, and he said uh, he would ask, you got a tab, mate. You got a tab, mate. You got a tab, mate. So a tab meaning cigarette or, as you now know, a fag. And then um, another one was, can you roll us a runny? Can you roll us a runny? Um, can you roll us a runny? Uh, it's another slang term, runny cigarette. But as you heard, the verb roll there, not give. Can, it wasn't give us a runny. It was roll. And this is to make a cigarette from loose tobacco leaves and rolling paper. Anyway, back to the story. He mentioned flame-grilled McCoys. Now, McCoys, oh, they are a well-established brand of crisps across the UK. They are, um, mm, fancy word incoming here, they are ubiquitous in the pubs across the UK. And yet they have a rather premium feel to them. They're everywhere, but they're good quality. Um, a packet of Walker's crisps would not be able to compete with a McCoy's, a packet of McCoy's. The Walker's crisps are thin and leave most beer gluggers wishing they bought a multi-pack. Whereas a packet of McCoy's are certainly more substantial. Or you could say they are the real deal, meaning a person or thing considered to be a genuine or supremely good example of their kind. And that leads us on to a lovely phrase to associate to this brand of crisps, which I imagine was done deliberately for marketing's sake, which is the real McCoy. Uh, the real McCoy means the real thing or the genuine article. He's the real McCoy. Goodness me, look at him. He's the real deal. The phrase has been the subject of numerous false etymologies, apparently, which I'd say aren't worth your time after going through them on Wikipedia. <sighs> but yeah, they used that phrase in their marketing to suggest they are the real deal, the best of the best. But quality comes at a premium, I might remind you, meaning it is more expensive. So get ready to shell out for the real McCoy. And then flame grilled is just a flavour of the crisp. I'd like to take a break from this episode to tell you that this show is funded by you, the listener. That's right. Not through a charitable donation, but through providing you with two hugely beneficial learning resources. One is called the Academy and the other is called the Premium Podcast. The Academy doors are currently shut until further notice, but the Premium Podcast is open for you to sign up to right now. So if you listen to this show regularly, uh, say once a week perhaps, and you want me to continue producing it, then I need your help because this is my full-time job. And I also want to provide free education for those who really cannot afford it. But if you are in a situation where you can spare £7 a month for loads of bonus podcast content, manually edited transcripts, and extended glossaries and flashcards, then I'd love you to consider supporting the show because that will give me a way to continue doing what I love to do and for those who really cannot afford it to get a free education. You can find out more by clicking the relevant link in the show notes of this episode or head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com or download the British English Podcast app in your app store. Back to the episode. All right, next line of the story. But he didn't half have a thirst on. 
You know what? It's moments like these that make me fully aware of how much I like my job and how much of a fucking nerd I am. And it inspires me so much to travel around the UK, gathering up all this real English that pub goers and locals use for you to be better prepared for any conversation you have with natives. So remember, if this podcast continues to grow with your help, and support, we could gather some amazingly authentic conversations and create some learning resources that help you remember how to have a conversation with any native, however colloquial their language might be. Anyway, back to the phrase that made me wet my linguistic pants, but he didn't half have a thirst on, meaning he was really thirsty. How confusing is that? Using a negative to exaggerate the positive. So the phrase we can dissect from this is not half which is, I guess, a submodifier like very, and it means to an extreme degree or very much so. Um, For example, she didn't half freak out when I proposed to her, meaning she went crazy or got very, very emotional. Uh, Another one, he didn't half lose his shit when I surprised him with season tickets to Arsenal next year. So he was extremely happy. And he showed it maybe by shouting out in surprise or hugging the person. And um, yeah, season tickets. Uh, This is like 20 football matches at the home ground within one season of the football calendar. Goodness me, I have really dissected this story, haven't I? If it were a frog and I had a lab coat on in my biology lab, I can imagine flies would be gathering by now. It's that stale, this this frog's carcass. (laughs) What a disgusting image for you and me. All right, next line. So when George went to the cellar to flush out the strongbow line, the tiger drank all the beer from the kegs and all the rum they were saving for Caribbean night. Let's try and get through it quicker, hopefully. The cellar... Oh, no, I don't think I will. The cellar is the basement where you store alcohol and then strongbow is a popular brand of cider. The line is used to refer to the piping that connects the keg, which is a barrel of alcohol in the cellar, to the pump at the front of the bar. And when the keg is empty, they need to swap it out for a new one and sometimes give the pipes a clean, which is what they call to flush out, to flush out the strongbow line, where they run cleaning products and water through it. And this is why you might see a bartender holding a big cleaning bucket to the pump or tap. And this process usually takes five to 10 minutes. So if they say that this beer is out or they are flushing that one out, then choose another beer because you're going to be there way too long. But if they say something like, oh, we're just swapping the lines over or we're just getting that line swapped or or something like we're swapping or changing it out, changing it out. I think that might be what they say. Yeah, swapping it out, changing it out. Then that beer will be available very soon. It's just literally they're swapping the kegs and that takes a couple of seconds, maybe a minute. Who's timing them? Maybe the tiger. And that makes me think, while poor George was probably busy maintaining good hygiene in his beer lines, the bloody tiger was was up to no good and he, he downed all of the alcohol in the cellar. And I'm now pointing a finger at George here because if he was doing his job properly, he would be going back and forth between the bar and the cellar, flushing the line out. And I don't know about you, but I would hedge my bets on noticing a fully grown tiger when um, it's in the same room as me, especially a cellar. I still get that childish fear of the dark when I go down into a basement or up to the attic. Um, And so I am on full alert of any weird sounds and the sound effects of a tiger pouring beer into its mouth would definitely set the alarm bells off for me. So, um, yeah, 
pointing my finger at George for that one. Uh, Rum, do I need to tell you about rum? My gut is telling me to move on. And so we will. But as always, the glossaries cover that level of detail if you need. Next up, then he ate the meat raffle. Very naughty tiger. For this part, you need to imagine a tiger eating a huge joint or leg of meat. A perfect snack for a tiger, if you think about it. And he kind of wasted his money on those McCoys. However good those McCoys are, he he should have saved his money and entered a load of times for the meat raffle. So a raffle is like a local lottery at an event. You typically pay a quid for a little coloured ticket with a number on it. And at some point throughout the evening, the raffle winners are announced. And usually there's a table displayed in an obvious way with the prizes on them, which um, vary depending on the event or establishment. But yeah, a big piece of meat is often part of the prizes, especially around Christmas time. So yeah, if you hear your uh, ticket colour and number being called out, we have a pink 32. Ladies and gentlemen, pink 32. And, and you've got the pink 32. You've got a pink ticket and it's number 32 on it. Then you'd subtly raise your hand with your ticket in it and start walking over to collect your prize. A few smiles and nods and maybe a sign of surprise. That's allowed, but not jumping for joy and shouting out and whooping so proudly. That would be far too American of you. You don't want to underreact. You don't want to have no reaction. That would show a sign of arrogance and and dissatisfaction with life. So a subtle surprise and and uh, a few smiles. That's that's enough. Yes, that's enough. All right. Next line. Then he went to toilet on the bar. Oh, another nerdy moment for me here. Usually we say the toilet. But locals in a variety of dialects, especially a Yorkshire one, will emit the article and say things like, uh, you fancy going to pub? So not the pub, but pub. To pub. You want to go to pub? I can't do the accent very well, but the language there, there's no article there. In informal English, we sometimes remove it. I would say, though, for you as a learner of the language, you don't want to be doing this. This is just for you to understand why natives are doing this. As a teacher of English, I would encourage you to include an article in this sentence, unless you have a near native uh, accent that is, you know, slightly Yorkshire based, then yeah, maybe not, maybe not. Anyway, next line. We're going to have to call you a minicab home, Tiger, said George, the deputy manager, bursting from the cellar. A minicab. So a minicab is a taxi. You might have the hackney cab or black cab in your mind's eye right now, but a minicab is a lot less iconic. It's just a normal car that often has the taxi number on the roof and then some other subtle taxi markings on the outside. And I'd say they are mainly uh, silver and not not black, like you might be thinking. And you usually uh, ring and order one to arrive by phone. And pubs used to do this a lot for people who were too drunk um, or, you know, just needed a lift. And I guess they might still offer this service. But nowadays, unless you're absolutely twatted and you're a tiger, then an Uber is the go-to option for you in most cities. Where do you want taking? To the zoo. You silly bollocks. <sighs> the tiger has clearly lost all of his charm here. 
actually he was never really winning anyone over with his personality. I imagine people uh, were just putting up with him because they were shit scared that he'd maul their faces off like he did with the dance team. But he is indeed off his face at this point and he's giving George some real sass by saying that George is an idiot for not knowing where his home is. Uh, This word bollocks needs a whole episode dedicated to it as there are many ways to use it. But here, yeah, he means you silly idiot, you stupid man. Do you know what your level of English is? If not, then how can you tell if you're even improving? Considering you are no longer a beginner in this journey, you should be doing everything you can to show to yourself that your hard work is paying off. To do that, you need to know where you're at right now to be able to recognise the progress in the future. So... I have a quick and easy English level test for you to take right now for free to instantly find out what level of English you actually have. Head to thebritishenglishpodcast.com slash test me or find the link in the show notes of this episode. Next line. It took a while to get one because the first two drivers they sent said, are you mental? That line is understandable, I think. Finally, Pavel from Station Cars agreed to it. The journey went smoothly, and eventually, after a lot of questioning, the tiger said, Look, for the last time, it's not a onesie. Mm. (laughs) Okay, this is stereotyping the name Pavel and the occupation, uh, because Brits tend to think of a Polish or Russian or maybe even just an Eastern European man when they hear the name Pavel. And a lot of these jobs, like driving a taxi, are stereotyped as being occupied by Eastern Europeans within the UK. Oh, and station cars is another stereotype, really. Every town seems to have a minicab company called Station Cars that owns a large fleet of minicabs around the town. And they're, they're stationed. <laughs> they're stationed near the train station, typically, I think. And then look for the last time at uh, that wording indicates that he has been asked the same question too many times and he's getting frustrated. And then a onesie is an item of clothing that covers your whole body. Um, A onesie was sometimes worn skiing, although it's a retro look nowadays. And then about 10 to 15 years ago, shops like Primark, which is a very affordable shop, Uh, probably not the most ethical one. Uh, They started making a full outfit representing an animal like a lion or or a tiger or um, a bear. Oh, oh my, oh my, a lion, a tiger, a bear, oh my, that people wear either at home to feel all cosy with a cuppa and a bit of X Factor on the telly or as fancy dress getting hammered on a night out at uni very often ending up sat in a McDonald's at two in the morning until they walk home or ideally get picked up by Pavel from Station Cars. Next line. Weatherspoon's deputy manager, George, never saw the tiger or Pavel, the Station Cars driver, ever again. Ah, dear. It seems drunk uni students will be walking all the way home from now on as Pavel is... M-I-A, which uh, I will explain in the glossary. That's it. We have reached the end. See why I couldn't fit it all into one bite-sized episode? (laughs) 
we now have an official app released for the British English podcast. You can now listen to this podcast on the new app and get all of the learning resources along with it. So stop what you're doing and search for this new app on your app store, either by typing in BEP, BEP, or the British English Podcast. And for those of you who are just listening on your favourite podcast app, then I've got a present for you. Download the app, sign up to the course called Free Podcast Worksheets, and you will find every single episode available for you to listen to along with the free worksheet for that episode. A huge resource right there waiting for you to enjoy. So go download it right now at your app store. Links are also in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, My name's Charlie. You've been listening to the British English Podcast. Have a good week. And if you can, help someone else enjoy it too. Bye for now.